Hello and welcome to another episode of the Focus Seacast. I'm your host, Corey, aka Focus, and this is part two of Chicken Breeding with Chris of Esoteric Agriculture. In this episode, we go over hatching and brooding chicks only using hens. There's a lot of information, and I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy this, especially if you've been wanting to hatch your own chicks, and maybe you don't have an incubator, and it seems pretty daunting, but the process seems really simple, and like I said, Chris has a lot of information on this, so... Without further delay, let's get into this episode. So how's it going, Chris? Okay. It's all right. Good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, it's the winter time, so I got a little yeah. little extra free time. Not not too much, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's good to have. Good. Very good. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, brooding chickens, uh, chicks specifically, and... Um, I know you have some experience with actually having the hens do a lot of the uh, incubation and breed, uh, yeah, brooding. So, yeah, you can definitely anyone can hatch chicks using a female chick and a hen to do it, and it's very easy. And I would say that, in my opinion, it's simpler in a lot of ways and more effective than using an incubator. Um. I've never used an incubator and I've hatched sometimes upwards of a hundred chickens a year. Uh, I've also hatched ducks, turkeys, other poultry. So it's, it's a really solid way to do things. Okay. It's good to know. Yeah. I've never, you know, I've got, I've gotten mailed in chicks and that's like the only way I've <laughs> ever done it. Put them in a, you know, a brooder with a heat lamp and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it works, but I've never hatched any from, from eggs. Um, so I guess we'll start at the beginning and kind of break down how that process works. Um, sure. So I know for you, you're breeding more like, um, uh, game fowl. So yes. w- when you have like the male and the female mate, are you taking like a female and putting it like in a pen with a male as opposed to like, I just have a flock of, you know, nine chickens, uh, right now and the males are just in with the female. So I mean, I know the eggs are probably fertilized. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's talk about a few basic things. So chickens, basic biology, a f- female chicken can retain viable sperm for at least a week, uh, sometimes more. So if you want to be certain of what the parentage is, you have to have the female separate from a male for at least a week to be safe more than a week. Introduce another bird I mean, you could introduce another bird immediately but you can't set any of those eggs you can't hatch any of those eggs um if the parentage is really important to you if you're running a flock of birds together you can generally assume that the eggs will mostly be fertile there are some variabilities in fertility so your smaller lighter chickens generally are going to be more fertile than a bigger heavy chicken um Generally speaking, a younger bird will be more fertile than an older bird. Uh, I would say that if you're if you're talking about heavy breeds, you probably want to have one male for every four to six females. If it's light breeds, you could go a lot more than that, probably 10 or 15 pretty easily. Um, I would typically think I would get good fertility for the first three years, and then it starts to decline after that. Um, 
by the time the bird's like six, seven, it's pretty much close to zero. And I wouldn't use that mail anymore. Although someone else's mileage may vary, but that's pretty much what I've seen. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and like I was saying before, is there any, like, cause I know what rabbits, if you put a mm-hmm. male in with a female, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work because the females get territorial. They'll usually like kind of push off the males, but if you do it the opposite way, putting the mm-hmm. female in with the male, um, you have a better chance of them mating. So I don't know if, I don't know if it works the same way with chickens or it really doesn't matter how, how you do that. I haven't noticed that it matters much when you first introduce them. They will often fight no matter what. Even the not non-gamefowl breeds will often fight for a, a bit. I haven't really noticed a whole lot of difference in which way I do it because I have done it both ways on many occasions, and it still works. Okay. Yeah, and I know rabbits are usually like – I'm just using that as an example. They usually mm-hmm. have like separate pens anyway, so that, that's why they get territorial. Where chickens, they don't seem to really do that as much, but I was just wondering yeah. if you had any experience you – know, if you noticed any – any which way if it mattered or not um no i have not so let all right let's say you have you got a male and female together and you're pretty sure that the eggs are fertilized how do you collect the eggs and store the eggs this is very important so you want to collect your eggs every day and with a pencil you write on the egg uh right on the big end on every egg there's a big end and a small end right on the big end who laid the egg and the date put the egg in an egg carton small end down big end up it's very important and then set that carton on an angle i usually set them on like say a bench but i have a board on one side of the bench um so that it's just at an angle you need to turn the eggs at least once a day if not two or three times a day if you can get to it but by turning you're not flipping them over completely you're just very slightly changing the angle that they're at. Like in a commercial incubator, they're not flipping the eggs upside down. All it is is basically like a teeter-totter, like a little seesaw that moves back and forth. You don't have to move the egg a lot. You're only moving it a little bit, and, but you really do need to do that. So that's important is the storage. <clears throat> and the ideal temperature is 50, 55 degrees, but, you know... Uh, higher temperatures can work, lower temperatures can work, but they all, lower temperatures tend to affect the hatchability and fertility. Higher temperatures, the eggs just don't keep as long. Um, the way I run this is I keep eggs for 10 days. So I keep pulling eggs out, dating them, putting them in the egg cartons and turning them. And after 10 days, if I don't have a hen to put the eggs under, at that point, we just bring the eggs in the house and eat them. Okay. So that's the, that's the preparation part of like, we got fertilized eggs. This is how we're going to keep them and store them. The next step would be, okay, we need to have a hen that actually wants to sit on these eggs. Okay. So uh, I guess because we're doing a podcast, we'll try to break yeah. down the, the moving back and forth. Cause it's hard. And if you don't have video, it's hard to show yeah. that, but yeah. So you're, you're sitting them like kind of at like a 45 degree angle. Um, the yeah, it doesn't itself. even have to. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that much, Um, but that's the principle, right? So just think of like a seesaw and like all I'm doing is turning the carton around, uh, I guess it'd be like 180 degrees, but I'm not flipping it over. I'm just like changing the the teeter-totter, you know, so the end that was up before is now the end that was down. 
Okay. I got you. All right. That makes sense. Okay. So then, um, yeah, so it's been 10 days. You've gotten 10 eggs or more, <clears throat> yep. you know, hopefully because exactly. you're laying an egg a day or something like that. Um, yep. And then you have to find a, a, a broody hen then to, to, to sit on them. Exactly. So this is how I end up doing that. Right. So first of all, you have to have hens that are going to brood. Um, any chicken can and will go broody, even breeds that are selected to not go broody. It's just kind of like any dog will fetch a stick. Some dogs are much better, much more reliable at it. So even the chickens like a, like a commercial leghorn will go broody. It's much less likely, you know, but it's possible. What you want is it's better generally if the hen is a little older, generally like a young one, it's not as likely. Um, your heavy breed chickens, any game fowl type chickens, a lot of the long tail fowl, silkies are, are really notorious um, for being broody. Um, you get a little bit of an older bird and basically this is the way that I do it. Um, sometimes what I'll do with the eggs that go past day, day 10, if I, if I have plenty of eggs and I'm not going to eat them, but I want to make a hen go broody, I'll take some of those eggs and I'll mark them with a magic marker with a bunch of X's and I'll start to put an egg in the nest box in that pen every day. And I just keep letting the eggs accumulate. Usually, if a hen is going to sit, if she's been laying eggs for two or three weeks and you start letting the eggs accumulate, once you get somewhere between like six and 12, she's going to decide to sit on the eggs. Um, that doesn't always work, but that almost always works in my situation. And that's generally how I get them to sit. Okay. Sometimes they, they just spontaneously sit on nothing or they sit on two eggs or, or they sit on no eggs, but Usually for me, I start letting eggs accumulate, but I'm using eggs that I would call dummy eggs that I don't care about, marking them as such. That way, if they lay another egg, I know that it's what the new egg is and what the bad egg is. So all the eggs are marked. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and so for that too, do you, do you want the hen to kind of be off by herself or, or can it just be in a nesting box with... Um, other chickens. Cause that's, that was kind of the mm -hmm. thing I, I'm worried about is um, I got three yes. roosters and I have to kind of, yep. I need to call them down a little bit. Um, I, one mm -hmm. or two. Um, and I'm okay. just worried about, um, and I actually don't even have a nesting box, which I really need to do. I, I just have an area of the pen. That's mm -hmm. like a lot of shavings built up and that's where they lay. Um, and yeah. that, that works good, but, um, but yeah, it's not like a secluded nesting box. So. Yeah. Okay. So you have to have the, the chicken that's going to set on eggs somehow separated from other chickens. Occasionally, I will be able to make it work with two hens in one pen, but I've never been able to make it work with more than that. And even that isn't ideal. Um, so we'll talk about a couple ways to manage that. The first and the best way is not to move your broody hen. Identify a hen that you want to go broody, put her in a small pen by herself. Let the eggs pile up. When she starts to sit on the eggs, you're eventually going to put the good eggs you want to hatch underneath of her. That's ideal. Um, you can keep a rooster with her until such time, you know, as she's going to sit, sometimes up until the chicks hatch um, or not, you know, because they can retain sperm for a while, et cetera. But 
if you're doing a flock situation, what you're going to have to do then is basically put out a bunch of nest boxes of some sort, wait until one of your hens actually goes broody, and then try to move her. You can sometimes successfully move chickens. And I end up trying to move hens every year. I would say that I get about a 50% success rate on moving hens. Um, and that's probably the best you'll ever get. But I'll tell you the way to do it. You want to move them at night with as little light as humanly possible. Ideally, you want to put something like a light towel or blanket over the hen. If you can, move the entire nest box into a separate pen. And if you can do it, cover up that pen with a sheet or a box or something to like exclude light for at least one day. That works about half the time. About half the time, the hen will have a fit when she gets up the next day and realizes she's been moved and she'll stop setting. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so right. Yeah. That's going to be, yeah. I mean, I have other pens, but that's going to be yep. the tricky part, I guess, is then figuring out how yeah. to move them. Um, yeah. So, but what if you have like uh, several hens? You said like in two. But yeah. Like, what so if some, you, yeah. How does that work? Right. So, okay. Yeah. So sometimes if I have a pen, I'll have like, I, a lot of times I'll do trios when I'm breeding birds. So I'll have two hens and one rooster and one pen. I'll put two nest boxes in and hopefully each one will go brooding in a separate nest box. Sometimes they'll be stupid and try to share a nest box. That is never ideal. Although I've had it work out before. That's less than ideal, but what the, the ideal situation, if you have a big enough pen and you have three birds in it, is you have two nest box maybe on opposite walls or opposite corners and hopefully they'll be content what hens often want to do is to lay eggs in each other's nest boxes and that's really bad um and that's why you can't just let them in at the flock if one hen starts to set other ones are going to come and either like kick her off the nest and then come in and lay eggs under her that's really bad because then the eggs are all going to be hatching at different times and that really doesn't work fundamentally with the way chicken like egg hatching biology actually works. So, okay. So for example, what if I took like, um, two hens that are broody and they're pretty healthy and, mm -hmm. uh, one rooster who I, who I, mm -hmm. you know, who I like, and I put that all three of them in mm -hmm. a separate pen with two nesting boxes in it. And then mm -hmm. wait, you know, wait a couple weeks, um, you know, the hens start laying eggs. I mm -hmm. do 10 days, collect them, whatever. And then I take the rooster out and then I could either, I guess I could either remove one of the hens too and just leave the broodiest one in there. But like would something yeah. like that work? You could totally, absolutely. Like that is a okay. very good, that is a very good system. And that is often what I end up doing is something similar to that. That's a super good system. works really well. Okay. Cause then I got a couple of hens to choose from, you know, and I can mm -hmm. see, okay, this one out of the two who I knew were broody is actually brooding and then mm -hmm. I'm not moving her and disrupting her. I'm removing the ones that I kind of don't want in there instead. Yeah. That is a better system, right? You're always better to take away the other birds than you are to take the hen that's broody and move her. Like that, that is definitely always better. Just yeah. sometimes for various reasons, it doesn't work, but yeah, if you can ever manage it, you don't want to move the head net setting. Yeah, I've noticed uh, stress in birds uh, definitely makes females not want to lay eggs or sit on eggs. Um, exactly. I, yeah, yep. yeah. I had uh, I had um, eleven chickens, and then uh, 
a hawk um got two two hens and mm-hmm. ever since then like it's been maybe like four or five days and they have not laid an egg and they were laying like you know one egg or two eggs it's the winter time like every day mm-hmm. every other day and it's been three or four days and i've gotten zero eggs and they were kind of acting funky the last uh you know two days after that very very scared didn't want to come out for that long so i've seen mm-hmm. firsthand that yeah if they get stressed it, it definitely it makes them not want to lay not want to you know yeah brood either. this is this is very true okay so all right let's talk about how we actually go about the mechanics of putting the eggs under the hen and how that works so with a broody hen it's a little bit dicey if you haven't done it a lot before how to tell when she's really good and broody for me what i want to see is i want to see her on the nest sitting tightly at night for three days they oftentimes will sit on the nest during the day and you will think that they are being broody. But if you go out and check at night, they'll be on the roost or off the nest. You want them on that nest tight at night for three days at least before you put good eggs under them. And you want to see them even in the daytime, like you want to see them on that nest pretty much all the time. If you put your hand in there and try to get under them, they should puff themselves up. They should cluck at you and they're probably going to try to peck you. Those are all good signs. Another thing is a broody hen only has one defecation a day. And that one is sort of a consolidation or conglomeration of all the ones they would normally make. So it's one gigantic one. And that is also a sure sign. If you start seeing those, it's like a giant dog crap sized thing appearing in your chicken pen. (laughs) You're pretty darn sure she's broody. So you've established that she's good and broody. You're sitting really nice and you've got your uh, eggs. Uh, What you can put under a hen, it's going to vary depending on the breed and how big the eggs are. A big chicken, it's going to cover more eggs than a small chicken. But then there's also egg size to take into account. So, you know, a big chicken can sit on more smaller eggs. You know, any chicken can sit on more smaller eggs relative to their body size. I usually aim for eight to 12. Uh, It also depends on the size of the nest box. You generally can set more than you think you can. Uh, the hens are pretty good at like covering them. They don't have to literally be under their belly. Some of them are always going to be under their wings. That's fine. That's natural and normal. Um, in any case, again, you put these eggs under that female at night and you want to use as little light as possible. And what I do is I reach in and I take out all the bad eggs and then I put in all the good eggs. And then we leave and we hope for the best. And if it's a good broody hen, probably 80, 90% of the time, she accepts the new eggs and we're good. And then we just wait. Um, It's 21 days on paper in theory for chicken eggs to hatch. I will tell you now that sometimes it is a day more or a day less, depending on the breed and depending on the weather. So you have to check a lot like when you get to the final few days because it, it can definitely be like surprise you and be a day or two early or late yeah that, that makes sense um also too i'm wondering like what time of year do you usually do this because i'm sure that definitely plays a factor in how well it works yeah so i tend to set most of my eggs in april may and june um i have gone into october before and i've done it earlier than that For me, it comes down to when are 
my hens laying well. And that's, ba- I mean, that's basically it. When are they laying really well and consistently for a time frame? And when do I actually even want to hatch chicks? Um, there's advantages to hatching early. So an early hatched hen is going to lay by the time you get to late summer or fall. That's really good. If you're raising chicks to show, they'll be sized up well for show. But there's also, it's, you know, it's harder to raise birds when it's really cold or really wet. So there's advantages to waiting as well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would probably personally like to shoot more mm-hmm. earlier. Um, it's yeah. also easier for me to deal with um, earlier in the yeah, season. Once, yeah, that, that is true, right? Yeah, if it's easier if you can do it a little earlier. Um, right. So, again, it's 21 days on average. And the reason why you want to start checking is, depending on the circumstances and depending on how your nest box is made, you can sometimes get in trouble what the bad thing that will happen occasionally is you'll get a couple chicks that hatch maybe a day or 12 hours before all the rest. Sometimes they will hop out of the nest box. And if the hen keeps sitting, those chicks will die. Or sometimes the hen will jump out and try to save those chicks and then all the eggs will die. So it pays to keep a really close eye on things during that critical time. So if chicks hop out, put them back in under the hen and hope they stay there. Um, sometimes if it's really ridiculous, what I'll do is take, take the whole nest box away, put the chicks on the ground, and then put the remaining eggs on the ground if the hen just doesn't want to be in the nest box anymore to try to get her to hatch everything. Um, that's basically like a horror story on what can go wrong. That doesn't actually happen very often, but it's happened to me enough that I feel like it's worth mentioning. Okay, so say like a couple of chicks like get hatched early. Could you even mm-hmm. take them and just put them in like a regular brooder with a heat lamp and just? Oh yeah, them? absolutely. You okay. absolutely okay. can. Yeah. So okay. then here's some yeah here's some other like interesting more advanced things. So you can take chicks out and put them in a brooder, and then later on you could try to put them back in with the hen. Usually, if it's pretty quick, it's fine and they don't care. Some hens, I swear, can tell the difference or like they get weird about that stuff and they won't accept them back. Most of them are fine. They for sure can't count. And a lot of them don't know like anything and will accept any chick back. Where they where it gets really fuzzy if you try to really push the limits and be like, well, I got these chicks that hatch, you know, 10 days after your chicks, mama hen. You take these babies, you know. That usually does not work. Like if it's a huge difference in size, shape, or color, unless it's like just the most like sweetest mama hen, they usually don't don't tolerate that and will kill the chicks or abandon them. Um, some other like interesting things that I, I've also done is an advanced technique that I learned from my dad and my grandfather is what I would call double setting hens. And you can even triple set hens, but that's almost bordering on like animal cruelty but you, you can, you can double set them for sure. And I often do that. So what double setting looks like is say you have a broody hen. She's about to hatch eggs out. I usually try to set two or three hens on the same night. And I'll explain why I do this. So let's say I set two hens on the exact same night and each hen hatches out eight chicks. 
once those chicks hatch and they're all done, what I will often do is take all eight chick eight chicks from one hen and give them all to another hen so that one hen has 16 and one hen has zero. The one that has zero now, I'll just put a second batch of eggs under her and set her a second time. Um, and that's how you start like really like piling up like your numbers when you're using hens, as far as like how many chicks can you hatch out in one season. Um, it also helps to minimize like how many chick feeders and chick waters are you going to manage? And one mama hen can cover way more chicks successfully than what she can cover eggs. Usually double or triple what she can cover eggs. So if they can cover eight or 12 eggs, they can usually cover 16 or 24 chicks. So I okay. usually do it that way because it, it minimizes the number of pens that have chicks in them, um, which is like its own particular thing that you have to deal with uh, compared to like a broody hen is very simple to deal with. So. Okay. So are, would you be having like these, both these hens in the same pen then just in different um, nest boxes or would you keep them separate as well? Cause once, once they, yeah, hatch you the gotta, chicks, you gotta keep them separate. Cause once okay. they hatch the chicks, like the instinct of the moms will be to take care of the chicks. So yeah, you have to have them in totally separate pens where they can't like really see or hear the other chicks. Okay, but if you have like both who are sitting on eggs and chicks start to hatch, you can kind of like ship them to another broody hen in another pen and they'll just kind of think that those are the ones they hatched and just take over. Exactly, because again, they can't count. So, uh, or at least they can't count very well, you know? So they just are like, okay. Um, Sometimes it'll go a little bit awry. Again, if it seems like the, the chicks you're giving them are really different than their own chicks, occasionally that won't work but it works like easily 90 percent of the time okay and so. especially if you're like i have the same you know I, they're all buffalo Bringtons, so they're all the same yeah. breed they're exactly. all about the same size so they wouldn't they, i doubt they would notice. no it, um, it'll it would never go wrong it won't notice and it, that's just a great way to make your management simpler and then just hatch more chicks out okay so that makes sense. yeah that's that's a real good system uh some things to watch for. Um, sometimes some hens are stupid and they will do terrible things. One of the terrible things is defecating in their nest box. This is really bad because sometimes you won't notice. You really want to watch for that broody hen poop outside of the nest box. If you're not seeing that, you better check. Um, if it's in the nest box and you get it quick enough, sometimes you can salvage some of the eggs, but if they do it like two, three, four, five times, you pretty much have lost that clutch. Um, other nightmare scenarios that I've had are is if they will defecate in the nest box five, six, seven times, and then all the eggs will die and rot. And then they start to explode. Um, very terrible, terrible smell. Yeah. <laughs> Night, nightmare scenario. Really, really bad. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but once in, once in a while, I'll get a female that's just stupid and that's what she does. And she ruins the whole clutch and it's terrible. So it's, it's something to watch for. And I don't know how to fix it. Uh, I've tried different size nest boxes, and different styles of nest boxes to see if that would do it. And it, to me, it seems like it's more to do with just the particular bird. Okay. Um, so you said if it does happen, you take the, obviously like you clean, 
like all the the feces and their their poop and stuff mm-hmm. out and then are you yep. cleaning off the eggs too or you're just yep you clean you clean off the eggs as best you can okay if, if like an egg is like completely encrusted i just throw it away if it has a little bit on it then i'll just try to wipe it off and put it back under them and some will still hatch okay um, all right and sometimes they only do it once and they never do it again sometimes they'll do it twice and never do it again but sometimes they're just incorrigible incorrectable and they just do it all the time usually ones like that i won't keep long term yeah i'll call those birds out yeah yeah yeah. okay uh because that's that's a terrible trait to try to perpetuate gotcha okay so um let's go back to so the so the the chicks are hatched and you know they're they're a day old um what what so now now what are you doing what are you looking for what are what are some things to you know yeah so some simple things um number one take away the nest box because it's just chicks are going to get stuck in it just get rid of the nest box completely once they're all hatched um you want to give them a chick water and you give them a chick feeder and the, the mama hen will drink and eat out of that fine that's okay i always put them up on blocks of wood and then i generally kind of raise them as the chicks grow um and I do that so they don't get bedding, shavings, whatever you're using straw in the water and feed as bad. Um, if you make it too high, the chicks can't reach it, right? And they, that's terrible too. So I start out, you know, when they're first hatched, I'll put them up on like a, a two by six block or something. But then as like they keep growing, I'll keep, I'll, I'll do like a double stack two by six block. So it keeps getting a little taller. Because um, I don't want to get junk in their water feed if I can help it. Um, I usually try to minimize the amount of shavings, you know, or bedding that's in a pen, because to me, it seems like the more you have of that, the more the mama hen scratches and some of them scratch so vigorously that they'll kick the chicks around. Um, that's not great. We don't want chicks kicked around. So try to minimize that. Um, you know, I try to keep the chicks, you know, dry and, and warm, but the mama hen can generally take care of them. Uh, even if they were outside, she can usually keep them dry and warm anyway, but try to keep them safe from predators if you can help it. Um, basically, it's a process of, you know, as the chicks grow, you're going to have to start giving them bigger and bigger pens. Um, and at some point, just, you know, putting them out with the full flock. Um, and that's just sort of a, I, I don't know what to say as far as a hard and fast rule. It's obvious to me, at least, when when the pen is too crowded you have to keep, you know, moving them up or separating birds out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's usually pretty intuitive. Um, yeah. And so you're not worried too much about like, uh, you know, when you're doing a brooder, you're, you're more worried about like keeping the temperature consistent. So. If yes. you have a, so if you have a mama head in there is, are you still using a light or any heat um, nope. elements at all? You're just, you're just letting her. Yeah. The mama there. hen will do everything. She will keep okay. them warm. She keeps them dry. Yeah, no lights or heater needed at all and that's what's beautiful about it if you have a power outage it doesn't matter the weather doesn't matter there's no nothing to worry about it's completely worry free if you have a good reliable pen who knows how to do her job it's 100% worry free on your 100% hands off on your part she'll do all the work you just have to give her food and water yep just check in um, on everything make sure they're okay get yep. what they need okay Yep. So I'm sure I'm sure you're checking them probably. So you're still checking them like twice a day. 
you know oh yeah you yeah. i'm gonna check them all the time because all sorts of things can go wrong so i'm still checking them quite frequently but yeah i don't have to worry about temperature at all the temperature thing is completely regulated by the hen and that's the best part about it yeah all right that's good to know and that's kind of yep. what i was trying to you know accomplish because to me this this almost like it's probably a little bit more difficult than using an incubator um, mm-hmm. and like a brooding chamber. But if you, it's just, I feel like it's more of an experience thing. Like the more you do it, the more you'll learn how yes. it works and the easier it'll get. And then at that point, it's, it's kind of even more hands off. It's just kind of, yes, you know, learning that is how the exactly system, right. Yeah. You're more stewarding the system and not controlling yeah. it. Exactly. So. Yeah. If, if you don't have any experience hatching chickens this way, it probably sounds really hard and it probably is if you're not used to doing it. I've never used an incubator and to me, it just seems easy and natural. Um, yeah, it's, I've also, I mean, I've hatched ducks and turkeys too. Um, yeah, it's the same principle for any of that stuff. There's nothing, there's nothing different about it really. You know, all the same things apply except that the incubation time is different for turkeys, ducks, pheasants, quail. Like every species has its own incubation time. Yep. But other than that, you know, it's all the same basically. Yeah. And I know we've talked before and, and uh, I've heard this a bunch of, I know other people probably have, mm-hmm. but they're like, especially Muscovy ducks are like, Oh yeah. Like, you don't even have to like know <laughs> what's going on yeah. and, they'll, and they'll hatch. Like, no, I mean, chicks. Muscovy ducks, basically, you just have to give them someplace they can lay their eggs and be safe and chicks will appear. Uh, and that's about it. And there are, you know, I used to let my chickens free range a lot more and I would often have hens disappear and then reappear 21 days later with chicks. Um, and Muscovies are like that. Like, you know, they're just tremendous for that. Okay. So you can let the whole thing just progress naturally. Um, in some cases it works. Um, it works much better with muscovies probably than anything else I've ever seen. Um, some of the game fowl type chickens, yeah, they can just disappear and raise their own babies and it's fine. Most of the other chickens, it's way better if you're giving them some, uh, inter- you know, you're interfering in the sense that you're giving them protection um, from predators and the elements and providing food and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying too, like checking, yeah. making sure they're not, not pooping in the nest box, you know, making sure yeah. if you have a couple other chickens in there, they're not kicking the hen off yeah. the, the hawk, the yeah. you know, eggs or messing with anything or something like that. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, another thing I guess I was going to say is that, you know, can you keep the, the cock or the rooster in, in with the females? I have done it sometimes. I generally take him out right before they hatch. Um, it's probably better my dad always says it's better to get them out as soon as they go broody. I almost never do that. And I haven't seen it to be an issue, but I don't let them in with the chicks. Usually I I've tried it once in a while just to see what would happen. And I've never had the male kill a chick intentionally, but for sure they can trample one accidentally. Um, and it's just increasing your chances of that happening. Uh, people will sometimes tell you they'll kill them and eat them. I've never seen that happen. Um, but for sure they'll, if they're trying to mate with the hen or something stupid, they'll, they'll trample chicks. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen like, uh, yeah, males are just kind of like, yeah, they're stupid and they stomp around. And a lot of times they don't even know. Yeah. 
what they're yeah. doing so yeah yeah I, yeah I feel like i agree with that it's better to kind of just get them out and you, that way it, you don't even have to deal with them they can go back with the rest of the flock or whatever and it's and it's one less yeah. thing you have to kind of deal with yeah it it's it's best not to have them there so um yeah i mean that's that's pretty much it um yeah i mean i'll, I'll try to think if there's any other words of wisdom i can say about it but it's I mean, that's the basic gist of it. I mean, I've had over the year, you know, the years, like some chickens that you would never think would be good brooders, go broody and do a great job. Okay. So well, that's, well, a, the, you know, the other thing yeah, I'll ask ahead. you real quick then is, mm -hmm. well, two things. First of all, have, have you noticed any breeds um, that are maybe produce chicks better than others, <clears throat> whether it's fertility rate or they just kind of, you know, they're, they're better at being mama hens or, or anything like oh, that. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Um so fertility generally speaking like lighter breeds are better. Like a a breed that's like in the 6-7 pound roosters and like 4-5 pound hens, fertility is almost always better. You get some fertility reduction in any breed with a rose comb. There's just a genetic uh, connection between rose combs and fertility reduction. Um, any breed that has a cushion comb, genetically speaking, that's also sort of a version of a, of a rose comb, you get fertility reductions. So I, I have these giant melees and they're a gigantic chicken and they have a cushion comb. So I definitely see fertility reduction in those. On the ACLs of the Cubileas, which are small chickens with a pea comb, usually the fertility is very close to 100% all the time. Um, and in the past, I have seen a very definite correlation to very large chickens um, and less fertility. Uh, for a little while, I had some really huge show type white rocks. And yeah, in addition to having very low fertility, they hardly ever laid an egg. So, I mean, obviously, if you have no eggs, you have no chicks. So, you know, you want, you want chickens that lay a reasonable amount of eggs, of course, as well. Um, that's helpful um hmm. the best the best broody hens again are any and all game fowl the smaller game fowl are better because smaller hens are less likely to break eggs and trample chicks although the big ones can still do it silkies most bantams almost any bantams will sit in our good mothers um beyond that it's kind of hit it's kind of hit and miss but again if if it's an older female and you let eggs pile up I've definitely had leghorns and hamburgs and campines, things that are not supposed to set and brood eggs. If it's a five-year-old hen and you let 12 eggs pile up, they will set them. So the last thing I was going to ask you is, are there any uh, like other resources or um, links or like places you want to send people that, um, mm -hmm. you know, to find out sure. more information? Um, yeah, there's... The title of the book escapes me right now, but I remember the name of the author, which is Harvey Usury or Usury or something like that. Um, the book came out at least 10 or 15 years ago, but that guy was committed to raising all of his chickens with broody hens. And the book goes into great detail about, you know, how you would do that and why you would do that and what kind of breeds and how you would build nest boxes and how you would, you know, 
enhance your efficiency and you know all of those things the whole principle of it was that you were just going to do it all the natural way um i think the name of the book might have been something like the natural chicken keeper or something but don't yeah i wouldn't bet my life on it but that's uh that's probably the best resource um but i, I learned most of the stuff just from watching my grandfather and he raised a lot of chickens over the years with no incubator and just watched what he did and how he did it um, and then also talk to some old time guys around here, old time chicken breeders, and just talk to them about how they did it. Um, so, okay. Yeah. And I'm, I, I might yeah. do, I'll do some research on my own too. And mm -hmm. I'm sure hopefully somebody's made yeah. a YouTube video or something. Um, but I wasn't sure if you, you know, you had somebody else you saw talking about this or, or, um, anything, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of people just use incubators and I think I'm kind of like an odd character and that i don't although i you know i do have other chicken breeding friends who pretty much only use hens um so i'm not the only you know i know other people who do it this way okay so i know it works yeah yeah no, and honestly yeah. i i want to kind of go this direction right. um I, yeah. i'd prefer to go you know do it this way um, yeah because then i'm selecting for you know a flock that's going to do that mm -hmm. anyways um so i think that that's yep. important um but yeah, so oh, uh, yeah, were you gonna say something else? Yeah, you can take the chicks away from the mother, basically the same point where you would cut the light off in a, in a brooder. So somewhere between three and eight weeks, depending on the breed, they have to be feathered out, sized up, you know, pretty much roosting at night. At which point you can take them away from the mother. If you take them away, the mother will go back to laying eggs faster. If you don't take them away. Sometimes it'll be six, eight weeks before she lays. Um, sometimes they'll surprise you and they'll start laying in three weeks. Usually when the hen starts laying, they pretty much stop taking care of the chicks. So if they start laying eggs every day, I would probably take the chicks away no matter what, because they are definitely not taking care of them right anymore. Okay. Um, okay. Well, that brings up another question I have. Um, so yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, so yep. how would you introduce those chicks to the rest of the flock? Um, does it, does it really matter how old they are or would you, have you seen any problems with you yeah, know, putting if, them in? If with they're, yeah. Older, if they're older really, flock? they're really young. I wouldn't do it unless you have a ton of space. If you have a tremendous amount of space, not that many chickens, it doesn't matter that much. If they're more uh, confined in some way. Yeah. I would generally try to get them to be, somewhere between 12 and 16 weeks old. I usually am not able to wait as long as 16 weeks. And I usually end up having to go like 10, 12 weeks um, before I would introduce them. It does help to introduce a bunch of them at once. If you introduce just one or two, the rest of them will usually pick on them horribly. Um, and sometimes to the point where they almost kill them. And then with all things with chickens, it's way better to introduce them at night. So when I do do it, I try to go as long as I can, basically, at least nine, 10 weeks, preferably 12 to 16 weeks, come in at night and put a group of them in um, at night with the other birds. And then usually if I come out, you know, the next day at dinner time, everybody's fine. Okay. Yeah. So you're waiting three, maybe three and a half, four months, yep. like four or six or something, maybe even more in with yep. the larger group of, you know, the larger flock and then doing yep. it, that at night and then usually it's okay. Yep. Okay. 
once in a great while it's not okay and that's just chickens um okay they sometimes decide that they don't like another bird and if they really are aggressive or serious about it they'll kill the other bird sometimes yeah so So. do do you notice um if it's it's usually like probably like one or two of the ones you introduce, right? Not, not like all of them. So if you say, yeah, putting in like six yep. birds or like picking on one or two of them and not like those specific six of them, I'm assuming. Yeah. Usually, I mean, they'll pick on all of them a little bit, but they'll, they will select one or two and just beat the crap out of that one. Um, and, and literally sometimes kill them. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I've noticed my roosters do that with one of the roosters. Yeah. They, they were all fine when they were younger. And as they got older, there was like one that the other one just kind of, started going for and it's kind of been that way it's not too bad um you know it's not to the point where they're going to kill him but once in a while like they fight and it's definitely like always them fighting with him and not not the other two don't fight with each other so yeah yeah okay learning learning chicken behavior patterns is uh (laughs) definitely interesting it's interesting they certainly have uh interesting behaviors they do a lot of a lot of things yeah yeah um Great. Uh, so do you want to put out your plugs again where people can find you and all that kind of thing? Or if you have anything else you want to, you want to mention too. Um, wrap it up. I have a YouTube, which is esoteric agriculture, which I haven't updated very much, but there's still something like 60 videos up there and they're good. Um, homesteading agriculture, plant breeding videos. Um, you can find me on Instagram is the easiest and that is also esoteric agriculture and i'm on reddit mastodon uh, other stuff but i'm beyond instagram the most but it's getting in close to springtime and once we hit spring at work uh and at home i kind of get sucked into a black hole and i won't emerge from that until june yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much in the same same boat so yeah all right awesome man well it was that was really informative and that was a lot of information so i'm probably gonna re-listen to this myself like three or four times so um, okay i hope hope people get a lot out of it i hope so too it's i wish people would try it because it's really rewarding and really great to see it all happen naturally awesome all right i'm gonna stop recording okay thanks all right well that's it for this episode once again i'd like to thank chris for coming on find me on instagram at focus seeds you can send me an email at focus seeds at protonmail.com or check out my website focusseeds.com. i got a bunch of new varieties up for the season a lot of new vegetables herbs and some medicinal seeds so check it out happy growing peace